Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Hi, this is comedian and depressed alcoholic James Nokise, and you're listening to Eating Fried Chicken in the Shower, a podcast about headspace and happiness. From my safe space, the shower with fried chicken. This episode, I'm talking to radio host Sarah Gandhi. We'll talk about cancer and the breasts. Whenever I'd get chemo, I wouldn't look at it as poison. I'd imagine that it was medicine, and I would actually visualize boob ninjas. Boob ninjas? <laughs> boob ninjas. Cancer in the workplace. I was having panic attacks, so yeah. I went on sick leave. Mm-hmm. And then when I came back to work, I was told my contract wasn't being renewed. And how to be a human antioxidant. So I have a woman contact me saying, Hey, so I'm in breast cancer treatment now. And, oh, wow. And you're like, Yay, but also I'm so sorry. Yeah. And welcome to the club you never wanted to join. Yeah. <laughs> Kia ora, come in. <laughs> Some of this will get a bit real. The language, the subjects, so make sure you're in a safe space with your comfort food. And join us, Eating Fried Chicken in the Shower. Hi and welcome to Eating Fried Chicken in the Shower with me, James Nokise, and today I am joined by Sarah Gandhi. Kia ora. Uh, hey. 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 <laughs> <laughs> we, um, it's very exciting for both of us because yeah. we... Uh, first met when I started doing comedy and uh, at uni. We would have met in the late nineties. Yeah, and then, but then really hang out in like the year two thousand. Yeah, just to make this sound super futuristic. Just, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and we did a play together. We did a play together, which <laughs> was like my first play I'd ever done. And neither of us can remember it, except we do know that Ben Hurley directed the play. I think so. <laughs> like Ben Hurley will probably furiously tweet saying, "I had nothing to do with that." No, play. Ben, you had everything to do with that play. Absolutely. Yeah, we blame you for all of it. Thank you. And it was, um, and then we kind of went on separate paths because I think you did you finish uni or did you I no I halfway through uni I was doing an arts degree as we all were and realized it had no focus or aim (laughs) I don't know that the job prospects are great for me (laughs) in this so I changed act and I can think I became a youth worker for a little bit and then I went to broadcasting school yeah because I I think I went to the UK for a family reunion yeah uh, because they hadn't seen me at all and I hadn't seen my mum like in a couple of decades and then did some stand-up over there yeah. and then came back here and was doing some stand-up. And then went, oh, actually, I think I'm a stand-up. I think that's why I, I don't want to be a theatre person. Wow, you found your chi, yeah, your niche. But then you don't need a university degree to you do a stand-up. No, you just have to go to... Don't you just get your degree in clubs as you... Yeah, but you can't be a Pacific Island kid and not get that degree. So what do you do? So, what do you, do? so you finish so your I finished my degree yeah. and then I moved to the UK and went straight away. And now with that degree, you're making a podcast that involves eating fried chicken. So yeah, it's, it's really well, you come know, together. You mean, you can't... The set doesn't just build itself, <laughs> no. my friend. You know, you've got to get in there. We think about all sorts of things. It's a theatre and film degree as well. That's yeah, why we wow, got the camera. Wow, wow, wow. Right. Yeah, 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 really taking it places. No, this is great. I, I actually, that sounds terrible. This is amazing. Um, what chicken have you bought for us? Okay, so th- first of all, you guys, the, the menu of options of chicken is amazing. 
whoever researched those, well done. Congratulations. Oh, look, hey, we, we go far and wide for yep. all chicken. Yep, very good. But I chose Simon and Lee because it's a very good Korean chicken. Mm -hmm. But uh, when I was going through chemo, chicken mm -hmm. is my favorite food. And actually, fried chicken is probably one of my favorite Hello, things. Kia ora, welcome. Yeah, thank welcome. you. So I'm in a safe space here. Yeah. But the thing about chemo is it blasts everything, including your taste buds. And so wow. if you have like a three-weekly chemo cycle, for two of those weeks, you can't taste anything. And yeah. you're really nauseous. So all you want to do is eat comfort foods. Yeah. So my husband would take me to Simon and Lee as kind of like he was trying to treat me. Yeah. But then we'd get there, we'd order the fried chicken, it would smell amazing, and yeah. then I would put it in my mouth, and it was like greasy cardboard. It was oh. just like I couldn't taste anything. The texture was horrendous. Oh, it, it gave me the smell was amazing, and that was it. The yeah. comfort that's where the comfort ended. <laughs> so when Charlie emailed saying, "What chicken do you want?" I was like, "I think I need to give Simon and Lee another crack. All right. I need to get back in there and taste the chicken." Okay, I'm gonna open it. Okay. Um, this is amazing. Also, I'm a really messy eater. That's fine. This mm. is like that. Well, we're in a shower. It's easy to clean. I mean, that's that's great. Uh, Here's yours. But I'm not stripping off in front of the camera. So. No, oh no, no. It's the shower. <laughs> the shower is easy to clean. Shower is easy to clean. This is great. <laughs> Thanks. I like how you have a what is it? Not a snack bag. This is a full meal. I think so. Yeah. No, wow. we don't go by halves in eating fried chicken. Okay. Well, thank you. That's all right. Um, I've got these here. Thanks. Um, so we just hold it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I knew, I think I found out like most New Zealanders uh, mm. that you had cancer mm. on Instagram. Mm. Mm. Like, I, I mean, I, I was outside of the country, so I, I think, you know, following each other on that uh, particular social media. Yeah. But like, how, how long have you, because you still. I'm still in treatment. Yeah. Yeah. So. How, well, sorry, I just realised I didn't let you finish that question. No, uh, <laughs> no the, question? The, the, the question was, uh, are you still... In, it started off as, how long have you had cancer? And then it became, yes. halfway through, are you still in treatment as I changed out? But <laughs> feel free to answer both of them, my friend. So I was... I actually found a lump in my boob in October of 2018. Right. And went to the GP. And I actually thought... I, the reason I went was because a really good friend of mine, uh, Delaney Tabron, who's... She's a Kiwi living in LA now. Mm -hmm. And she had just gone through breast cancer. She's the same age as me. Right. And I thought, if I don't go to the doctor, she will kill me. Yeah. So I might as well just go to the doctor. So I went thinking it was nothing. Even my GP was like, look, mm. doesn't really feel right. Like, it's, you know, it's... We'll get it checked, but I don't think it's anything. Okay. And so I was... In the back of my head, I was a little bit worried, but overall, I was like, cool, I'll just wait, yeah. go through the process. And I had to wait three months to have a mammogram. Like, it was a, yeah. Uh, it, yeah. I'm no expert on, on women's health. I'm, I'm really not. But oh, that <laughs> scene, that, that, I would be correct in thinking that's long. That even, is long. Even by. Yeah. yeah, look, I don't think it was great. I do think probably Christmas and New Year's and stuff, I'm guessing it plays, plays a part because you mm -hmm. suddenly, you've got stuff that are taking holidays. And, mm -hmm. um, so yeah. It's a while. Sorry, I'm eating some chicken. That's all right. It's mm. crunchy. Mm, really good for a podcast. Um, <laughs> so, had my mammogram in January, mm -hmm. and at the same time as the mammogram, they did an ultrasound, and the the ultrasound tech had like resting bad news face. Basically, it was just oh, like no. he just can't, like I couldn't tell whether it was just his face mm -hmm. or if it was bad news because mm -hmm. you're trying to read into what they're looking at on the screen. Yes. Yeah. And he said, we're going to have to do a biopsy. So two days later, I'm being rushed back in for a biopsy. And at this point, I'm a little bit like, ooh, dude. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the biopsy was, holy moly, they need to give you some sort of sedation. Because it's, I think I had about 12 samples taken from one boob. And the needles that they bring out what? are huge. Yeah. Like, ginormous. 
I was like, please, could, could we get some NOS? Like, I've seen the maternity waters literally down the hallway, yeah. and everyone laughs at me, and I'm like, I am not, I'm not kidding. This is horrendous. Yeah. So we're biopsying away, and then that you just go, cool, we'll let you know. Results take about a week. So what? at this point, everyone looks in the room looks really worried, but no one can tell me. I'm like, am I, should I be worrying here? Mm-hmm. Is it really likely? Is it not? And no one can tell you anything. And I actually think of the whole journey, mm-hmm. if you will call it that, um, that was the worst bit, was waiting for the biopsy results. Because you were literally going through worst case scenarios in your brain. Absolutely. And you have no idea what's going on, and you're really sore. Yeah. <laughs> really sore in the biopsies. So um, went through all that. My doctor, my GP rang and said, hey, I haven't got the results yet, but do you want me to just call you when I have them rather than schedule an appointment? So you'd, because yeah, yeah, so you, not... you just rip that Band-Aid off. I said, yep, that's great, please just call me. And she did. And insta- almost as soon as I could hear his, I picked up the phone and said hello, I mm. could hear in her voice that it was bad news. But weirdly, when she told me, I just kind of went into like, of course, of course it is. Yep, okay, great, cool. And asked a few questions. What can you tell me about it? Okay, what happens next? Mm. Okay, and it was weirdly calm. Is that like a flight uh, or fight Maybe. sort of thing? Like, I, I, think just... you, I think you just are like, well, at least now I can get on with it. Okay. Because waiting is excruciating. Yeah. It's a hot, it's, I think it's worse than anything. The, the what if oh, yeah. is worse yeah. than the what. I, like, I've got one of my things is anxiety. Mm. And I, yeah, I would absolutely rather know than sometimes the anticipation. Yeah. To, like, Completely. That's it. So at that point, I went, okay, it was sort of not relief because that's the wrong word, but I just went, okay, well, sweet, thank you. Mm. Hung up the phone. Explained to my husband what was going on. Oh, God. So he's just like standing there going, nah. Yeah, you can see how through the phone call. He's like, Ugh. Oh, man. And, and then called up our friends and said, can you please come over? We're going to pop a bottle of champagne. Because what, what is your cancer? What kind? So it's breast cancer. Mm-hmm. It's a hormonal breast cancer, which means um, that hormones, like estrogen, feeds my cancer. Oh, what? So, yeah. So part of my treatment is I'm sort of in this semi-menopause, yeah. which is great in your 30s, guys. Oh, it's man. a real delight. So I've um, spent the last year and a bit working my way through a series of hot flashes and, you know, just yeah. men, ladies going through menopause, I ju- just please be kind to them because yeah. it is the worst. It is actually like just... I don't know how to explain when you feel like your scalp is on fire, mm-hmm. you feel like your whole body is on fire, you can't sleep properly, you find yourself getting agitated for no reason and you know why it's happening but you can't control it. Yeah. It's horror. It's just, yeah. Oh my God, do you know what that sounds like? Mm. Withdrawal? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. That's kind, this that's, is it. That's kind of what withdrawal is like. Yeah, it's just basically minus the shakes. Yeah. And also it happens to every woman mm, as opposed to an it. addict. To an addict who, you know, I mean, that's horrendous. Yeah. But it probably doesn't last for the two years or so that most women... No, I think, I, I honestly think if, if my withdrawal had lasted for two years, mm. like mine lasted for 10 days, mm. but if it lasted for two years, I'd go insane. Mm-hmm. Honestly, this is amazing to hear. And I'm not using that as hyperbole because, mm. like I said, I found out on Instagram, mm. your social mm. media is so positive to the experience that yeah. I didn't really understand, like... Well, I mean, the decision to put it on Instagram actually was because I realised, having the conversation with people that, mm. hey, so I've got something I need to tell you. Mm. It's like, like, you feel like, it's not like you're breaking up with people, but it almost feels like that. Like, you know, it's because as soon as you say, 
I've been diagnosed with cancer. People mm. look at you like, oh my God, you're dying. Yeah. That's it. You're going to totally. die. Yeah. And so then the next part of the conversation would be like, but it's all okay. It's stage three. It's not stage four. Because <laughs> stage four is where curative becomes a lot more difficult. Yeah, right. But stage three is aiming for curative. Yeah. So you're like, I, and in my head, I think as soon as I knew the particulars of my cancer, I just told myself I wasn't going to die from it. I okay. just decided that that wasn't going to happen. Cool, absolutely. And so then everybody I told, I was like, don't worry, I'm not going to die. Yeah. It's, that's not going to happen. But do have to do chemo, surgery, radiation. Far out. <laughs> so it's going to be a year. Um, yeah. But I realised that after having that conversation a couple of times, I was like, man, this is exhausting. I can't keep mm-hmm. having that conversation, having to... I felt this need to be upbeat because I didn't want people to be negative about it because I didn't want to carry that. So yeah. when I would explain my situation, I would be really up about it but Mm. that is really exhausting yes and so once i told all the close people to me i said to look i think i'm just going to put it online because then it's just done i mean it's been it's been big positive responses to it Mm. like people like are generally you know it it is working like in that way yeah it is i've had people message me saying after seeing your story i think especially we're not women in our 30s we're not really Yes, there's breast cancer campaigns that, mm. that tell you things, but I think, I mean, I was immune to them. I didn't know the nine signs of breast cancer. I didn't, there's, mm. you know, there's a whole lot of stuff that's been thrown at me that I just haven't paid attention to because I didn't think I really needed to worry about it. Yeah, right. And so I think being a woman in your 30s who talks about it, it might make other women who are maybe in that age bracket go, ooh, mm. oh, okay, hang on a second, maybe I do need to go get this checked. Yeah. So I have a woman contact me saying, Hey, so I'm in breast cancer treatment now. And, oh, wow. And you're like, yay, but also I'm so sorry. Yeah. And welcome to the club you never wanted to join. Yeah. <laughs> Kia ora, come in. <laughs> Mentally for you, does that help alleviate the weight or is it just uh, like a side path? Yeah. It, mm-hmm. I think it does to a degree. I mean, if I can have anything positive come out of this experience, how great is that? Yeah. Really, because... Yeah, yeah. You, when I was diagnosed, someone said to me, the biggest thing you can do is look after your mental health and everything else will follow. Wow. And I genuinely believe that my body dealt really well with treatment mm. because my mental health was good. Because mm. I was positive about it. I was positive that I was going to look after my body through chemo and try and minimise the side effects as much as possible. Mm. I used a thing called cold capping that freezes your scalp to minus four degrees and freezes your hair follicles, basically, and stops the chemo reaching your hair. Oh, wow. And so I probably lost about 10% of my hair. Yeah, yeah. But really, I should be I should be rocking what would probably or maybe a pretty terrible pixie cut right now. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've done it once before. In fact, maybe I had it last time we were hanging out. Oh, my God, maybe. <laughs> maybe. And it really was not a good, <laughs> was not a good look on me. Hey, um, last time we were hanging out, I, I think my hair looked more like yours. Yeah, so, I, I think mean, it did. All... I look, there's no judgment here, mate. No it's judgment. fine. Yeah. So, yeah, I think um, being able to do things that maybe me feel like me was huge mm. on my mental health mm. really focusing on my mental health through my treatment and telling my body that it was gonna you know take it whenever I'd get chemo I wouldn't look at it as poison I'd imagine that it was medicine and I would actually visualize boob ninjas boob ninjas boob ninjas which yes. were like like as I'm sitting there and my little machines chemoing away I had little ninjas inside my boob just like smashing that out of all of the cancer tremors that were going on, mm. just because I, I just wanted to give my body any anything it could use mm. to get rid of the cancer. And I, I have no idea whether that worked or not. It made me feel like I could do something. Look. It put a smile on my face, having little ninjas inside me. I, I have stayed pretty positive through the whole thing. Before I was mm. diagnosed, I was actually having panic attacks. 
and having really? real issues with my job. Yeah. Right before, is this uh, before the treatment? Before diagnosis? Yeah, actually, when I found my lump, I was also having panic attacks at work and going through a problem. Where, well, in the end, my contract wasn't renewed. I was doing a breakfast radio show. Yeah. And I was having panic attacks. I went on. My doctor said you need to have time off, so yeah. I went on sick leave. Mm -hmm. And then when I came back to work to try and figure out how to transition back on air, I was told my contract wasn't being renewed. Oh, that's... Which is... Yeah. They... Yeah. It's yeah. pretty interesting. That's pretty interesting. And I couldn't quite get a straight reason why. You, you can swear in this podcast. Can I? You're just letting you know. Yeah, it was pretty fucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I couldn't yeah, quite get a straight reason. But what was really interesting was... Um, over that time I was working on my mental health, I was I took myself off social media. Like mm. I took a massive break from that. I was meditating every day. I was journaling. I was doing all these mm. things that, you know, we, that we talk a lot about all these tools that you've got. I was going to see a psychologist and doing something called EMDR. No, I don't know it. Oh, which it's, it's kind of, there's cognitive behavioral therapy is one of the therapies, you know, mm. talk therapy basically yep, yep, that yep. people can have. This is another one where you effectively, they use like little... Um, pulses or tapping like little buzzes in each mm -hmm. hand mm -hmm. so you have those going on and at the same time they then ask you to start recalling memories mm -hmm. and thinking about the emotions and what you can remember of those memories oh thanks man okay. and the idea is is that because you've got these pulses going on it kind of scrambles the memory in your brain a little bit yeah, right. and takes the oh gosh I'm really badly describing this uh, but it, there's, there's something cognitive that it does mm -hmm. that stops that that experience or that memory having so much power and so if right. you've got triggers or things that are going on in your life that mm -hmm. are happening um, that you can then suddenly go oh man that's kind of like something that happened in my childhood yeah. EMDR could be an amazing tool right. for someone who's going through something like that to look at and it really yeah. helped me because I was having real issues my manager's management style was not good for me yeah right and it turns out it was because it it was very similar to a person that had um, been a big part of my childhood and that wasn't good for me. <laughs> right. And so it was all, you know, like I just, I needed to kind of deal with that thing to mm. then suddenly be able to deal with my manager. Fortunately, then I was let go, so I didn't have to deal with the manager again. I mean, that is, <laughs> my friend, I think you've become like a Zen master of the bright side. <laughs> like, you know what? I just was like, I mean, life's just going to come at you and yeah. you can choose to be completely beaten down by it or you can choose to find the good side of it and finding the good side of it is a way less miserable existence. Mm. So, But I also think to find the good side, I mean, I've got a really amazing husband, mm. I've got really amazing friends and so those people, I just focused on those people. Right. And you just, the people that are clearly not on your team, you just... Try not to give your energy or See your time to. Yeah, because yeah. why would you? They're not giving you good energy or good time. Yeah. So why would you give them any of that? It's my old man had a, a saying like that. Uh, he was not very good at handling his stuff back mm. in the day. But one of the side effects of him sorting him out is um, he came up with the saying, anger takes too much energy, which I'm yeah. sure isn't his, but it's, I've tried to keep that in mind. Yeah, it does, because have you ever thought about how if you dwell on something, how exhausted you yeah. feel? And it just takes every piece of energy, but if you feel good about something, it energizes you, mm. it fuels you and spurs you on. Yeah. And actually, when you are going through something really tough, you need energy. Yeah. <laughs> you need, and it, look, I say this like it's easy. It's not easy. And, mm. you know, especially if you are dealing with really crippling anxiety or clinical depression, or mm. then those things, those are really big barriers that you have to do a lot of stuff to get over. You can't just think positively and it magically happens. Eating fried chicken in the shower. Keep the chicken dry. Wash away the anger. 
Can you tell me what a panic attack for you yep. when you're, like, is this at work and radio? Yeah, it was, I never had one on air, thank goodness, but mm. um, I had them, this, the particular one that made me have a couple of weeks off air was I was at home, I'd gone mm. out, I used to get up at four in the morning, mm. so my alarm had gone off, I got up and instantly like went to the bathroom to have a shower and had a panic attack before I'd even made it into the shower. Oh wow. And it felt like, it almost feels like you're having a heart attack. Right. Like you can't breathe, your whole chest goes tight. It's this real foreboding sense of um, you, you, you almost lose control. You don't mm. feel like you've got control of your own breathing mm. in your own body. And sometimes the worst bit is, is you start to think about the breathing and it just makes it worse. Yeah. So right. it kind of escalates before it gets better and then mm. eventually it's like you come crashing down afterwards. Mm. So then suddenly you feel like you've just been put through a complete ringer and mm. you're exhausted. Mm. And then usually I just start crying uncontrollably right. afterwards because you're just like overwhelmed. Mm. So that's what happened on this particular morning. And then I thought, I need to go to work. So I Because when you do breakfast, I don't think a lot of people realise you're up at like four. Is yeah, that right? I'd get up at four. Yeah. I'd be at work by just before five. We'd yeah. meet from five till six and then we're on air at six. So your sleeping pattern is kind of... Yeah, I'd go to bed at 7.30 at night. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which in summer, there's literally kids. Yeah, yeah. There's kids playing on the street. Mr. Whippy oh, could no. drive by the house as me, a grown woman, is putting herself to bed. Is, is the Mr. Whippy song triggering at all for you yeah, these totally. days? Yeah, Green sleeves just <laughs> messing you up. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah. Wow, this dark. <laughs> so dark. Surely, is it? Uh, it might sound naive, but there'd be things in place at a workplace like that. You can't be the first person. Surely, that's been slightly, like, the the whole lifestyle of that job has. No, been and I actually think. Um, it's weird. A lot of breakfast hosts get a lot more leave than the average bear. Oh, right. But the problem is when you're a new show, no one wants you to take that leave <laughs> because they just want to keep you on here mm. because you're trying to get, you know, consistency and you're trying to get people and used to listening to a certain show. So, yeah, and I think it can be quite a high-pressure environment. And if someone's saying, you know, I remember at work saying... I really need a break. Mm. And our boss being like, you just need to hang in there. And then there's other times when it was like, I really need a break. And I'd say, we'll try and figure out a day for you to take off mm. at some point. And then just things would keep going. Mm. And that's actually not, that's not them being malicious. That's just the life of just things happen mm. and things slip by the wayside. And unless you're really vocal and or you're having panic attacks. But then I suppose you get labeled as difficult. Yeah. If you, if you yeah. push back too hard. And look, I think um, there's, it's, there's a lot of things can, that can make you seem difficult. Mm. And sometimes maybe even being a woman in radio who has an mm. opinion can make you seem quite difficult. Yeah, right. So, yeah, it is, it's really hard. The number of times that I'd look at and try and change my behaviour because I didn't want to be perceived as difficult. Mm. And now I'm like, what was I doing? Like, mm. you're a strong, smart, confident person, but except you're not. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're really, yeah. that's not what you're doing right now. So I think getting up at four in the morning and lack of sleep can really chip away. Having a management style that's a bit like, what is gaslighting? Yeah. Is not good. Yeah. You know, and it's, um, it all compounds. Mm. So, yeah, if, if anybody finds themselves in a situation where there's a person or a manager making them feel like they're the problem or um, everything's their fault or they instantly feel like things are their fault mm. and they've never felt that before, I would encourage them to just figure out, is it actually you or is it the situation that's going on? Mm. Because it could actually be the situation and then maybe you can get help or do something about it. But it, I didn't realise until I was out of my situation mm. that it wasn't me. Yeah. <laughs> that I genuinely thought, I was like, I've just gone crazy and this is all my fault. 
uh, for listeners who don't know, well, actually, for listeners who don't know, do you want to explain what gaslighting, gaslighting is? Gaslighting is. So gaslighting is when somebody, it's a kind of a manipulation, basically, mm. um, when somebody will make you feel uh, uh, that will really chip away at your self-confidence and obviously your self-esteem will make you feel like you're the problem in mm. the situation. Uh, it might make you feel like you can't do anything right. Mm. Uh, when things go wrong, you instantly think, well, it must be me mm. that's causing this. Um, and will almost put you in a situation where you don't know what's expected of you so you can't succeed. And one of the dangers in, in that behaviour is that um, you can begin to feel crazy. Yeah, totally. Mm. And you, I remember it got to a point where I didn't know, I've been in radio for 18 years and mm. I didn't know what I was supposed to do when I walked in the studio. I'd run a radio station. Yeah. And yet, as a host, I wasn't, I didn't know mm. what I was supposed to do at six in the morning that would make my boss say, hey, great job. Mm. And that's crazy. When actually I needed to know what felt like a great job for me. Yeah. But I had just gotten myself in a situation where all I wanted was my boss to say, you're doing great. Mm. And I wasn't, I was getting anything but that. No, I, I learned about, uh, very sadly, I learned about um, gaslighting the hard way yeah. and that I was gaslighting an ex of mine oh. who was going through a depression. Yeah. And, and I was saying, look, you're, you're just a bit crazy at the moment. Mm. Like, I know you're mm. upset, but hey, you're just a bit, you'll get over it. You're just a bit crazy. And thankfully, she had the strength to say, I need you to stop saying I'm crazy wow. because I'm beginning to feel like I am crazy. And that, like, that's going to haunt me for the rest of my life that I, I wasn't able to support her properly yeah, and, and look, put her in that thing. It but wasn't from a malicious place. No, this no. Is it. I think that's what people don't understand. Yeah. That often it's not from a... Doesn't mean... No. It doesn't make it less yeah. hard on the person you're gaslighting. Not at all. No, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't, but also quite equally... I mean, I think probably there are people that gaslight and know exactly what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> yeah. You know, to be honest. But um, I guess that's probably where I'm comfortable talking about it because mm. I don't know that this person realised what was going on, to mm. be honest. I think it was just their management style. Yeah. It just wasn't working for me mm. and maybe it worked for other people I mm. don't know I mean radio presenters are an odd breed so <laughs> who knows I'm not here to judge I just know that no. for me personally it didn't work because I suppose if, you, if you've got anger energy oh. uh, then then you can take that anger energy and put it into being positive towards people that's Completely. what you're saying right? yeah. That's, yeah, yeah that's it it's just like this is not this needs to not be my focus because it actually serves me in zero ways yeah and, and also, if I ever want to go back and work in radio, which I probably will at some point, mm. I don't want to feel like I've got these, like, big, I don't know, grudges or, mm. the, you know, awkward interactions with people. Or I just kind of want to get on with it. Yeah. So, yeah, letting that stuff go, I think, is huge. But once again, like anything in mental health, it's really easy to say. Mm. And the doing yeah. is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I still haven't got it nailed completely. No, sometimes uh, sometimes you need to crack open a bottle of champagne. Sometimes yeah. you need to yeah. sit in the shower for a good half hour. And uh... Do you know what? Making inappropriate jokes is a great one. Yeah. When I got diagnosed and was going into chemo, I was like, I think, I don't know, everyone processes things differently, but I decided to make a meme. You know how they do those fake Coachella posters? Yeah. So I did one called Chemochella. <laughs> and it was the lineup of Chemochella. And then the bands were like, the shits <laughs> or like Florence and the mystectomy oh my or uh, My Chemical Romance that is, is, that, that is amazing uh, yeah and I, I did this whole kind of um, like three day like festival lineup <laughs> All to do with chemo, oh and it was God. so therapeutic. And then I sent it to my friend who'd gone through it. She p cried with laughter, yeah. and I ended up putting it up on my Instagram. And um, it became it became a cancer meme. Anyway, it is out yeah, there it as a cancer meme. Pick the, yeah, there's a whole wow. cancer community online that are loving that lineup. Incredible. Yeah, but it was great because it 
brought me so much joy, but mm. it also was just, and it was really inappropriate. Yeah. Um, but it just, I don't know, if you can't laugh, laugh then it's going to get on top of you. So I reckon if you, if you get back on, when you get back on radio, yeah. you should totally try and just manipulate. Because, you know, radio stations always love having, oh, we're going to have a music festival. Yes. Just see how much of that lineup you can great, manipulate great. in. Brilliant. Big, guys, the shits. They're a great new band. <laughs> They yeah. hang around just long enough. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> really popular. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Gallows Humour. I've watched Gallows Humour get families through. Like my, my, I think my first stand-up came from my family's Gallows Humour at my mm. grandfather's death. Cried. Like, it just... Cried. What a time. Because, you know, Pacific Islanders, man, yeah. go ruthless. So, totally. And it's the same, I think. Yeah, it's yeah. a cancer community because yeah. it's your thing and there's that solidarity. Yeah, but and it's, that's it, is that no one can really... If someone's offended, it's like, well, hey... I've got cancer, <laughs> so you think you're offended. <laughs> Try dealing what I'm dealing with right now and, uh, you know, pretty much feeling the most unsexy that I've ever felt as my hair falls out. And, like, you know, I've got diarrhoea a lot of the time and I can't taste anything and I'm getting fat from steroids and I'm covered in rashes. But, no, you be offended, please. Please, you be offended by that joke. That's great, mate. Uh, That's such really a mic good. drop. Such a mic drop. So. I mean, come on. <laughs> Seriously. Um, let me tell you a story because um, you're talking about gallows humour. Mm. So a strange thing... Uh, with when I got sober was my stepmother had stage four cancer and it was terminal yeah. so we were just maintaining yeah right but I didn't re and, and in the midst of this period she stayed alive for a couple of years but in the midst of this my alcoholism was diagnosed and I went through withdrawal while she was going through chemo oh I heard it was here's the funny thing so we used to when I was younger me and her I'd go and visit them when they lived in the Pacific Islands and me and her would often stay up late and talk New Zealand politics with a, a bottle of red wine right. and sometimes if I was coming from New Zealand I'd bring a bottle of red wine and we'd have a glass what each what era are we talking we got Jacinda in action you don't know no no this no, no this is Clark oh gosh Oh gosh! So uh, we so we have those fond memories, but now she's like terminal, getting mid chemo, yeah. and uh, I'm going through withdrawal. Mm. So we're both on the family porch, covered in blankets, and I've got cold sweats. And I'm sorry, I'm laughing. No, I'm no, like, but like it's the right. It's so looking like you're at the height of your life. Yeah, <laughs> like she's dying. I'm like. Mid thirties, you know, not bad, but like the cold sweat, and we've both got red herbal tea now. <laughs> and my dad just comes out and has a smoke in front of all, both of us because that's just my dad. And he just looks at us and goes, Oof, "I can't tell which one of you is dying worse." <laughs> yes, yes, but that's how it is. I remember going through chemo at one point, and um, Luke, my husband, got a cold. Mm. But you know, like many people of the male persuasion when he gets a cold. It's really <laughs> no, just the he roughest. Does not. He pulled out man flu? He pulled out man flu. And I remember being like, I'm going through a mid-chemo, mate. But, and, he, and just for the record, he did, he's done an amazing job of looking after me, so mm. please don't think that he is very, very good. But at this particular moment, <laughs> he was definitely more miserable than I was and really feeling sorry for himself, <laughs> really. And I was like, oh. And usually I'd be like, oh, babes, you know, let's yeah. do some echinacea. Yeah. And I think at that point I just kind of looked at him and it was like a real head. It was a real SMH moment <laughs> in my head. 
Shake him head. <laughs> Come mean, on, mate. Be, be aware, mate. Be aware. Yeah. Um, but no, I think you just have to be a realist. Yeah. And... You know, there'll be times when a friend would text me and say, do you want to come out? And I'll say, sorry, I'm really busy today. I'm shitting myself all day. <laughs> you know. I mean, that's good. Because it's what's happening. That's I've got some really big plans with the bathroom. That is me today. Yeah. Well, mate, I'm, a, I'm an award-winning professional comedian, and I can tell you, that's good joking. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's thank good you. jokes, mate. Well, that's good. It's, it's high just, quality. It's just reality. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah. I, know, I know lesser comedians who would kill for that story arc. <laughs> They would have loved it. The, the work they could do. Yeah, they really would have. I mean, I had thought about trying to do some kind of stand-up with it and then realised I am not a stand-up comedian. And is it too late to try? It's no, it's late. not late. Never at all. I don't know. It's definitely not going to be the, like, the scariest thing you go through. This is true. See, here's the thing. is, I thought, I was like, when I got diagnosed with cancer, I actually yeah. thought, oh, this is great. I'm going to be one of these fearless people now yeah. who's like really good with roller coasters or, because I, ha- I hate roller coasters. Mm-hmm. I hate any of that. Anything high octane, yeah. like, no, it's bad. And I am never, I, I went to Disneyland and pretty yeah. much just walked around. <laughs> like, oh, I went on the long flume yeah. and just about vomited with terror on, on the, the long, long flume. flume. I know, I know. I'm just, just not good. Anyway, then yeah. I got cancer. And I was like, I'm going to be so much better at this stuff now. It's going to change my life. I'm going to want to go skydiving. <laughs> I will, you, you couldn't even get me to Rainbow's End. Like, there is no way. I am, I mean, it's, it none is, of that has changed. Is Rainbow's End worse than cancer? This is the conundrum many of them. Take me back to the rainbow. <laughs> rainbow kind of magic. Take me back to the chemo. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah. Um, wow, can we even leave that in? I'm sure we legally I mean, look, we could probably find purest form to do the harmonies for that. Oh, could, really, that right? would be amazing. Could, I could rewrite the whole thing. Yeah. So are you are you in the clear, or are you in? Yeah, are you almost? In great the question. Clear? Well, yes. Yeah. So. I did chemotherapy before I had surgery, and when I went in um, for my mastectomy, they, I mean, they just take it all out. Yeah. They just scrape you down, get in there, out it goes, and then they put some other stuff in there, and suddenly you've got a boob again, but it's sort of not a boob, but it is. But, and when they do that, they take all that material away and test it, and Mm. material. (laughs) All that boob, all that boob stuff away, and test it, and it all came back as what they call no evidence of disease. So that's like we couldn't find it. And when I started chemo, one of my tumours was uh, had grown to eight by eight centimetres. Holy crap! Yeah, yeah. So you know there was some work to be done. Yeah, it wasn't that big when I found it. It's just that it obviously had exponentially gotten bigger over time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it did. It crept up, but there was a lot, lot to zap. Mm. The boob ninjas had their work cut yeah. out for them, yeah. uh, but they nailed it. They bloody yeah. nailed it. So then uh, that meant I was, uh, there's no evidence of disease. So that meant that realistically that and radiation mm. are um, kind of helping to reduce, reduce my risk of recurrence. I also have this um, stuff called Herceptin and Pertuzumab, mm. which are targeted chemotherapies, and I'm still right. having those. I have yeah. those every three weeks, okay. and I've got my last one coming up. And that is um, not as bad as chemo in terms of your hair doesn't fall out. And, yeah. But you still get... So I've still got some side effects, yeah. but I'm a lot better than I was during chemo. Um, a lot more alive and with it, and my taste buds are definitely intact, so that's great. Um, but once that's done, I will take a pill called tamoxifen every day for 10 years. Wow. Well, that's what the current research yeah, says. Yeah, it's yeah. changing all the time. But um, And there might be other things that pop up 
that suddenly they say, look, you could try this and just reduce your risk even more. Or, mm-hmm. But the reality with breast cancer is it can come back at any point. Mm-hmm. There are different types of cancers or breast cancers that had different recurrence kind of windows. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my understanding is the one that I've got. I mean, it could come back in 20 years. Yeah. So realistically, I've just got to, in my head, I'm like, well, this is done. Yeah. If it comes back, science is great. That's awesome. And then if science isn't so great, then I just have to think about dying. And that's that will happen. I mean, I'm going to die anyway. That's true. And I think it was amazing. Talking to my psychologist about death was really helpful. Yeah. Uh, because when I was diagnosed, that was one of my biggest anxieties, was yeah. what if all this treatment doesn't work? Yeah. And, and even the, though in my head I was like, I'm not going to die. Yeah. But I also had to face this reality of anxiety, likes to just pop up and give you really cool ideas. Mm. And it was like, hey, but what if you do die? Yeah. What about then? Yeah. And so I brought it up with my psychologist, as you do, and she's like, well, let's talk about death then. And then we talked about death for an hour and a half. Did, did you read the kids' book, Death and Goose and No, death why, and... why? I should have done this. Oh, mate. It's, it's, no, don't. No, no, no. Some, some of those kids' books that explain death are definitely for kids and not adults. Okay, you, okay. you read it as an adult, you're like, what the hell is that? <laughs> I've gone into a K-hole of doom. This was supposed to be a kids' book. <laughs> yeah, no. No, this was actually really good because it, it, the reality is if you die, mm-hmm. you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can't, you know, you. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know where you go. Yeah. I'm energy, so I'm guessing I go somewhere. Yeah. But I don't know where, where that place is. I don't really have any set belief of where that place is. You go into the grain, uh, the ground you, grows the grain. The yeah. chickens eat the grain. Thus, I'm, we are all connected. Are we saying that you become fried chicken? I think so. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> it took the, a real grim turn. The universe is <laughs> great. I'm going to become a boxer, Simon and Lee. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the worst bit for me was actually just my husband or anybody mm. else who might love me. Mm. That was. I realized that that's the worst bit of dying. Is it's way worse for everyone else yeah or at least that's my interpretation of the situation no. and once i realized that i mean it's still really sad mm. but it made me realize that there's no point fearing it because it's happening it's all it's happening to all of us it's yeah. coming at us and you just get to choose how you live right now this mm. is the only thing i have control over mm. is how i choose right now that's how i live right now i can't control anything else really within reason yeah and everything is temporary so just find some good yeah yeah Eating fried chicken in the shower, as Bruce Lee said, be like water, especially if your choices are water or chicken. Can I, can I ask, yeah. what's your, um, and you don't, this is one of those times when you don't have to answer because I'm not asking about you. What's your husband's mental health been like over it? So good, really good. When I was diagnosed, I said to him, you need to, you, I need you to, f- Figure out who your friends are going to be at one in the morning if I'm really not well and you're not coping mm. because I can't make you feel better. Mm. And I also need to know that you're supported mm. because otherwise I will worry about that and mm. I also don't want to worry about that. So he was like, I get it. And um, kind of got like a couple of, not like friends on standby, but just had that conversation with some friends mm. of like, hey man, if I call you at midnight, please can you answer? Because mm. it means I really need to talk or I'm mm. really battling. Or, mm. um, but he also, you know, he there's a really his best mate. He plays squash with every week. And mm. I was like, I don't care if I've had chemo two days beforehand, go and do it. Like you need to, yeah. you need to be out and have, doing that and keeping your life. And he could do his work from home. So he was home a lot, but sometimes he'd go into offices. He's a freelancer. So he'd see different places and they were really supportive. Mm. So that made me feel better because I just need, he, I needed to know he had external support. Mm. He never went to a counsellor or anything like that. And I think 
yeah, it probably would have helped, mm. but I don't think he ever got to a state where he wasn't handling it. Mm. Um, a couple of years ago, before I was diagnosed with cancer, his mum's got Huntington's, oh, right and he they, they only just had diagnosed it, and so he had to go through the process of being tested for Huntington's. Oh, wow. But they make you do counselling for a year before they'll even do the test on you to make sure that you can handle the test results. Far out. Yeah, because a lot of people, if they find out really struggle with the diagnosis mm. and I think the suicide rates around Huntington's diagnosis are not particularly great I had no idea yeah because the reality of it is it's really really tough and they don't mm. they can't do a lot about it so anyway so he'd gone through what for him was quite a tough process already and I think that definitely helped him with his coping abilities mm. I think so even though it was a totally different thing I think that counselling that he'd been through and that you know that other trauma mm. um, and also knowing that his mum's got it that's something that he has to deal with anyway mm. but I think similar to me with my panic attacks we went through these other traumas but I think it kind of set us up for being able to handle mm. the cancer th- the cancer thing and because I was really pretty positive the whole way through I think that helped because it meant that he was like oh we're, we're okay yeah. she's not She's not lying on the couch watching seven episodes of Friends um, before she even has a shower. You know, like, yeah, yeah, she, yeah. she's okay. So I think that made a difference as well. But, yeah, once again, because his family's in England, mm. my family's in Wellington, and we live in Auckland, so mm. it was Friends. Yeah. Man, and Friends were amazing. We had friends that brought, brought us um, Boober Eats. Uh, was one of the meal deliveries. Amazing. And my boob bag also turned out another meal delivery, which was great. Uh, but, yeah, we just we had friends that knew how to make us smile Mm. And, you know, just did things for us and, and really understood that it wasn't just about me, it was about Luke as well. Yeah. 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 Are your, with your panic attacks, are, are there similarities that you have been able to see between when you were having them? Are they, are they still going? No, I haven't had one since I, um, since the one where I went into work and had to yeah. go home. I haven't had one since. That's amazing. Are there, mm. can you see similarities between them and when you will have a low day? with um, dealing with cancer? Because I know for, for my family's experiences, um, some days we, we just get a text message or we get a, mm. you know, whoever was first up, we just go, it's a low day. Yeah. And everyone else just be like, yep, oh, that's, that's cool. Great. That's great. Yeah. Uh, no, it's different. It's actually quite different because I think uh, the panic attacks that I was having around work, I felt really out on a limb and unsupported and... Um, confused and you know I really didn't know what was expected of me and so there was all these other things at play whereas I think Mm. if I get weird pangs of anxiety about uh, my cancer diagnosis or just life Mm. just bloody life in general you know (laughs) my dog's just been diagnosed with cancer actually so you're kidding no are you serious (laughs) and and her first day of chemo was my a year to the day of my first day of chemo (laughs) and her last day of chemo no no it's It's, amazing it's like lol universe (laughs) you love the lol and we're gonna have the last day of chemo together for both of us it's ridiculous this is the most white girl thing you have ever done Sarah Gandhi <laughs> me and my dog we're getting chemo together we're getting chemo together it's really cute um, <laughs> actually I was given a little dog to keep me company when I was going through chemo and I've now given it to my dog that she now plays with oh uh, when she's feeling good on her good days does, does the chemo dog have a name and, oh no I really should have is, is it just chemo dog chemo dog amazing <laughs> the world's cutest name it's chemo dog I could start a line Absolutely, <laughs> oh so. Oh my God! Um, but in answer to your question, no, I don't. I think it's a t- completely different. My down days are different, and you know that the reason I brought up my dog was because that really got that hit me. Yeah, I, yeah. I actually found out that she had cancer the day that I was having my one year ca- mammogram. 
Wow. So I'd gone through the heightened anxiety of kind of like, please be okay, please be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everything was okay. And I'd gotten home and then the vet called and said, she's got cancer. And I think it actually compounded everything because yeah. of the, there had been the scanxiety, as we yeah, call it, around yeah. that. And then it was almost like the floodgates were unleashed. So it's a different thing. It's overwhelming in a different way. But I, um, I think I've got quite a good, what my psychologist would call meta perspective mm. on things. So even when that's happening, I can still weirdly sit outside of myself, look at what's going on and be like, of course you're upset. Of course, or of course you're anxious about this, yeah. and that's okay. And like, if you want to sit here and cry for three hours and watch Gilmore Girls, then you can just do that. That's totally fine, and there is no judgment here, <laughs> even though you're a grown woman. It's okay, and you're going to order crappy Uber Eats and then cry your way through it. You know, because actually, that's fine. Because then the next morning, you'll go to sleep, you wake up and you'll be like, oh man, I'm heaps better today. And that's human. That's, mm. that's humanity. Yeah. You know? So yeah, very different. But I think I just have a better awareness of it. Mm. And whenever I do have, I'm a real overthinker, whenever I have, find moments of just like dumb anxiety or, or overthinking, I'm pretty good at like look at, observing those thoughts and then actually going, well, what's the counter to that? Because that's not true. So the truth is actually this. Yeah. Okay. 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 And yeah. really pep talking myself. No, that's a really strong skill. I think a lot of, is that something you've developed over time? Yeah. I used to have to write it down and yeah. I would write down if I was feeling terrible, I would write down all of the statements that in my head felt true at the time. That's great. So when I left radio, one of my statements was, I'm terrible at this job and I'll never work again. Yeah. And I genuinely believe that. And then I wrote next to it the inverse of that statement, which is you are great at your job and you'll find something you love again. Yeah. And it was like, okay, that's the truth. Yeah. If I give that statement as much power as I'm giving this statement, I'm mm. going to feel so much better. And I did. And I do. It's great. <laughs> and similarly, you know, if my anxiety is this cancer is going to kill me, then I mm. just write down, no, this cancer is not going to win. It's yeah. not going to, something else is going to kill me. Yeah. What a great thing to think. <laughs> so it's fine, guys. Something else else will kill me it's not a problem but it does it I do find it really works and um and it's something I can now just think mm. and actually kind of if I'm getting a little bit overwhelmed it kind of snaps me back into oh actually everything's fine That's pretty quickly awesome. yeah it really is yeah it's a good one yeah so I'd highly recommend oh no I, I, I highly if you're listening to this I highly recommend that too <laughs> yeah that's, that's a real I think you just dropped a life hack oh. for some people hey you're welcome Look, yeah, yeah. Pen, that, pen, that, pen. that and the twelve dollar came out. Pet and pet. the twelve, ob- yeah. obviously. I'm just here to make everything easier. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we do this for every guest mm-hmm. uh, because it's my safe space, uh, and I invite people into it. Um, is there anything you want to share in the shower that we that we oh, haven't? Then we sh- yeah, anything, oh. and it can be anything. Anything like you want to share while you're here? Um, great question. Really great question. Uh, We've done a lot of sharing today. We have. We've covered a lot. We've covered a lot. I do think one thing I've learnt is that the actuality is tends to never be as bad as what you what you think it's going to be. The mm. thought of something is tends to be way worse than the, like the reality. Mm. Whether that's losing your job, going through chemo, being told you've got cancer. Yeah. Whatever you don't, Darren. Whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Life's great, guys. <laughs> but I think the reality is, is the thought of those things and the build-up to those things mm. actually can be way tougher. And once you suddenly find yourself in that situation, you can handle it 
and it's okay. Mm. And the number of people that are like, oh, you're so brave. I don't know how you go through it. And I'm like, no, no, you, you, you just do. Like if you had to, if you, and I really hope you don't get a call saying you've got cancer tomorrow. Mm. But if you did, I'd be like, James, you're going to be fine. Yeah. You're going to get through. I can't tell you you're not going to die. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. but you're going to be okay. And it's not going to be as, as horrendous. Or it yeah. doesn't have to be as horrendous as you might think it would be. Yeah. So... I think that's a very, very powerful statement like, yeah. to be able to say as they like, because I think, uh, especially you know, with film and TV, when we're presented images mm. of, of cancer, mm. it's, oh. like, it's always the, a brave story about Completely. the end. Yeah, and it's someone that's like bald and skinny and can yeah. hardly walk and they're like maybe in a wheelchair with a blanket over them. Yeah, Oscar, Oscar, Oscar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's completely there and yeah. it's, it's, that's actually not the reality. Mm. And for some people it is, like don't get me wrong, that yeah. is, but everyone is different. And also a lot of people are walking around going through chemo right now and you'd have no idea. Yeah, you know, wow. are just getting on with it. They're going back to yeah. work, or they do. You know, they're taking their kids to sports, or yeah. and then the next day they're off for a nice trip to the cancer centre, and that's just the reality. Yeah. But people don't see it. So yeah, I do anyway. And I think it goes for anything. I mean, that's cancer, but there's a lot of things in life that, if it came down to it, you can totally handle it. Just tell yourself you can. Yeah. <laughs> that's a magnificent thing to end on. <laughs> Great. <laughs> just, Positive reinforcement. Just tell yourself, I sound like Ron Burgundy. Just yeah. tell yourself you can. Just tell yourself <laughs> you can. Does that work? I love chicken. Oh, I okay. love chicken. I love chicken. <laughs> I don't know. No, anyway. Awesome. Thanks, man. Eating Fried Chicken in the Shower was produced for RNZ by Charlie Bleakley and Fruit and Nuts Limited and presented by me, James Nokise. The engineer was Blair Stagpool. The executive producers for RNZ were Justin Gregory and Tim Watkin. Subscribe to our podcast however you just found this podcast. Or if you're listening on the radio, go to RNZ's podcast page and look for the chicken. And when you rate us, only give us five stars. Remember, more stars, more chicken. And if you want to share your safe space or comfort food, tweet me at James Nokise. If you need support, text 1737. Or for more resources on mental health, check the fried chicken webpage at rnz.co.nz. If you're experiencing COVID-19 related mental health issues, go to health.govt.nz and search for COVID-19 mental health and well-being resources. We'll also link to it on the RNZ page. Faftailafa, matewa. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.